Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him And from that point then we hear a name change Rearrange the game so now we gotta change uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 293, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. Of course, I am here today, uh, this evening, with uh, uh, one former WWE writer and uh, just podcast extraordinaire. He's so good at podcasting. He's ha- he has his own network, ladies and gentlemen, the MLW Network. He also uh, does some shows, some wrestling shows. He's got uh, a big launch coming up, uh, or I think it just passed, or it's, it's it's in the in the works in Orlando. He'll let you know a little bit more about that in clear detail. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring on the show tonight, Court Bauer. How are you tonight, sir? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So let the listeners know just about your launch. You got some MLW. It's a uh, you, you have a launch as far as just uh, uh, promotions coming on. You got some Orlando uh, dates coming up. Let the listeners know about that. Sure. Uh, Major League Wrestling is a company that started in 2002, and we had guys like CM Punk, Terry Funk, 
Raven, Satoshi Kojima from New Japan Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and just a, a litany of really talented guys over a two- or three-year period. And then uh, hit the pause button, went to work for WWE. I was a member of their creative team from uh, 2005 to 2007. Then uh, moved over for a bit into the world of MMA, producer working on uh, shoulder programming for Showtime's, uh, at the time, Strike Force product, which was a uh, fairly successful run they had. Uh, and then moved over to con- do some consulting for Sinclair Broadcasting's Ring of Honor. Then moved on to work a little bit with AAA, Lucha Libre in Mexico, and also Lucha Underground, where I served as a consultant uh, before uh, relaunching MLW this past year. And during that period, around 2011, uh, we started a podcast uh, with Mr. St. Laurent and myself, and then brought in guys like Conan, Jim Cornette, and the list went on and on over the years to include a variety of people, including Carl Anderson and Gallows uh, from the club in WWE. Uh, we have had shows from Steve Carino. We've had shows including J.J. Dillon, who's on the air with us now, Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle with, which is a huge hit for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Schiavone returned to wrestling to do his Monday show called What Happened When? And uh, the list goes on and on. We have something for everyone. MVP has a show. The Brussels Rap crew have a show. So we offer something for everyone on our menu of podcasting. And we even have a premium model where you can subscribe to get extra content from some of our guys for just $1.99. So uh, the world of MLW never stops, it seems. And now we've reentered pro wrestling. We had a, our first event in uh, October in Orlando at Guilt Nightclub, which had Wale and Coexec producing with myself. And we're uh, gearing up for our next event, Never Say Never on December 7th in Orlando. So we're looking forward to that event. And we just announced the double main event, which will be John Morrison teaming with Shane Strickland against Darby Allen, up-and-coming guy that's a little bit of CM Punk blended in with Jeff Hardy and Raven. It's a, he's a really fascinating character. Nice. Uh, along with Jimmy Havoc, who is England's most dangerous man, the king of the death matches, and they'll be in a no-DQ match, the four of those guys. Mm-hmm. And we'll also have... Uh, as real as it gets, a UFC strong style kind of collision with uh, Matt Riddle, who left the UFC on a four-win uh, streak, against Filthy Tom Lawler. So you have two radically different types of matches doubleheading our uh, our big show in December with Tony Schiavone and the former Rich Brennan, Rich Bocchini, in the broadcast uh, booth. So it's a really cool uh, product that we're putting out there. I, I hope people check it out. You can learn more at MLW.com, but it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Speaking of Wale, uh, you uh, put together Wale Mania every year, which uh, is during, happens during WrestleMania weekend, and I uh, was um, fortunate enough to attend this year in Orlando. I was there doing some coverage uh, so it was uh, really interesting. Uh, JR on the panel, Dave Meltzer on the panel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a really, really cool time. So let the listeners know. I'm sure a lot of people know, but uh, you got uh, some announcements that you you just broke uh, recently about uh, New Orleans, right? Yes. We'll be uh, bringing back Wale Mania for possibly our last year in 2018. And uh, that will be uh, at the Republic NOLA. Uh, in the warehouse district, and that'll be on Thursday night. We've uh, the last three years sold out, and I suspect we're going to sell out again this year. 
uh, as we uh, kick off WrestleMania weekend on Thursday night, April 5th. And you can get tickets now for it at MLWTickets.com and Ticketfly. And uh, every year, it gets bigger and bigger. Last year, we had a big podcast panel with Jim Ross on it, Eric Bischoff, uh, some Bullet Club guys, uh, Bruce Pritchard, MVP, Will Ospreay, Ricochet, uh, just a real big eclectic mix of guys. And, of course, Wale and uh, Dave Meltzer and uh, some of the MLW radio personalities as well. And then we had... Uh, we kicked into real high gear with uh, the after party while they performing Enzo Mori in the DJ booth with Chris Hero, a.k.a. Cassius Ono, mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio on Chad Gaspard's uh, shoulders in the DJ booth, Mega Ran from the hip hop world. Uh, just uh, a new day was there in the DJ booth. It was a who's who. That's on stage yet. Samoa Joe, you had Lana, you had Moose, you had. Um, I remember, I always call him Uha, but he's uh, Apollo, Apollo Cruz, yep. in WWE. He actually was jumping up and down and fell off the stage. Oh. <laughs> uh, and the night, it, went, it was one of those wild nights, and it's kind of like our version maybe of Studio 54, where you have such an eclectic mix of people, interesting people from all walks of life come together, and for one night out of the year, uh, they all party and have a really good time. And you have a podcast, you get some of the – the guys talking shop, and then you get some of the parties you heard about probably reading wrestling books or on podcasts and hear all those wild stories about the business. And you get to see that up close and personal and be a part of it one night a year with Wale Mania. So it's a real fun experience where we take the hip-hop and pro wrestling cultures and just smash them together. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you have any panelists uh, scheduled for Orlando, uh, New Orleans? Not, we do, but we uh, we're not going to probably announce that for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, we have usually a meet and greet, and uh, the first year it was Rey Mysterio. The second year it was four members of the Lucha Underground show, and that show was really on fire, nice. and a lot of people were interested in it. And then last year was uh, New Japan, which was again another hot company that that uh, gave us uh, four of their top guys. So. We're really excited about that, and uh, now we have to figure out a way to top that. It gets harder and harder. Yeah. We have Rey Mysterio <laughs> coming off of his WWE contract, uh, coming in and talking for the first time, breaking his silence, and then we go year two, and we have like Alberto and all those guys coming out, uh, Pentagon Jr. and all those dudes. Every year it's a different thing, but we try to give the fans something fun, something that's unique, something that you wouldn't typically get. Uh, and we have to make it a different type of experience. There's so much and so much going on at WrestleMania weekend. So how do you differentiate? And that's the challenge that we always face yeah. is, is trying to be different and, and, and giving the fans something that's going to make them say, wow, that was, that was exciting. It was worth, you know, the $15 for a GA ticket, or if they want like a golden ticket, mm-hmm. uh, you know, $150. And yeah. then there's a, there's, there's a bunch of price ranges in between. In fact, uh, we just, as we're recording this, we just put tickets on sale for Wally Mania, and the golden tickets uh, sold out in under a minute. And we added more golden tickets, and they're just about sold out too. So I'm, I'm blown away to see this thing mature into what it has. Yeah. Uh, but also part of me thinks, you know, at a certain point you also have to realize, okay, now you got to move on and do something totally different. <laughs> 
and maybe blow it up and, and look at different concepts. So you're continually pushing things in a different direction. Because at a certain point, yeah, it's the craziest party, but then you got to say, well, how do you escalate things and do it differently? That's right. So that's my that's my challenge for 2018 and to 2019. Perhaps you can uh, you can throw a ring in there and uh, put some matches together. I, you know, the only challenge with that is honestly, we go to these nightclubs that are really like trendy nightclubs, and they just don't have the 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 space for a ring. Um, we actually did try to put a ring into Cheer Nightclub last year in Orlando, and we put it in. We did like a dress rehearsal, like mm. half a year in advance, and we just it didn't look right. And I thought, listen. If we can't do this right for the fans, then I'm not going to do it. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually publicly talked about this. So you have an exclusive here. Mm-hmm. But I just felt, listen, if the fan experience isn't good, then I don't want to disappoint the fans and they pay their hard-earned money to see something. It just, it, it, the, the ring is crowded. They, the wrestlers can't really perform at an optimal level. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that. And the nightclubs, like in New Orleans, this, this, is, this was the, the host uh, club for the NBA All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. So it's a really beautiful club. Um, in fact, where we do we, in our MLW wrestling shows, we do about nightclubs because I want that consistent atmosphere. We do it. MLW do, does things a little differently. You know, we could go to an armory, but I like keeping the atmosphere, keeping it trendy. And so we have these great relationships with these clubs. So that's that's a big part of why we do what we do. The, mm-hmm. the club we use down in Orlando, which is Guilt Nightclub, they just put up about 1.5 million into the club, wow. and, and it looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, so we just have to keep that kind of atmosphere consistent. And so that's if we can get a ring in there, I would love to do it. Just so far, it's just been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Shotgun Saturday night type of feel. Um, <laughs> we, shall, we shall see if it uh, <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. Yes. yeah. That was the first time I actually ever I, – when, when I was in high school, they were doing Shotgun Saturday night. And I was like in ninth grade, and, and I went into New York City to see one of the shows at the All-Star Cafe – and I just wanted to see the show. We couldn't even get it on TV in New York, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to check it out. And um, we go there, and it's really like, I'm like, wow, this is wild. Like, there's no barricades. There's no uh, typical environment for a WWE show. And I happen to go use the bathroom. I see Honky Talk Man leaving the bathroom. <laughs> I go in the bathroom. But it's Vince McMahon. Wow. And I went, this, this is surreal. So I'm like, well, I'd like, I want to meet this guy. This is, I want to be in wrestling and this, I don't know how to network, but this is a weird moment. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, I, so I, I take the quickest uh, uh, bathroom break you can take uh, and then uh, kind of stalked him on the way out and then introduced myself. And he, of course, was running a live show or about to. So I said, oh, nice to meet you and moved on. Uh, little did I know that in, um, there, under five, six years, I'd be actually working for him, and he'd be my boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of working for Vince McMahon, uh, we've got a few minutes here, and we're going yeah. to talk about some uh, sort of some Survivor Series. Uh, of course, there's been a, a bunch of audibles called uh, throughout the past few weeks. Uh, there's been uh, some some viral um, uh, illnesses going around that's uh, really just kind of turned TLC upside down. Uh, for the better, uh, many yeah. believe. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got Survivor Series coming up, and you know some audibles being called there as well. You worked, uh, you worked for the WWE for a few years uh, with, with the writing staff, and of course, you experienced yeah. some some audibles that were being called. Uh, recall sometimes that uh, you remember 
kind of flipping the pay-per-view upside down and just kind of kind of really scurrying and trying to figure out how to make this as, you know, marketable or even better uh, than what was originally planned. Well, that's always the challenge when you find yourself in a situation like WWE's had over the last month. You don't anticipate these kind of things happening, but because you've installed good wellness policy and, and real meds where you have to do these tests, uh, you prevent a lot of problems. I mean, I know for a fact WWE's wellness prevented uh, MVP from having a severe uh, uh, heart issue, mm-hmm. and and he, they probably saved his life from it because yeah. of it. So uh, that that's pretty. It's pretty impressive how that's really how the business has evolved, and WWE's done so much to be proactive now with it in recent years. And you can see uh, it's really been a positive for many people and altered their lives for the better. Um, when I was there, we had uh, the Great American Bash 2006. Originally, we had in the main event a Punjabi prison match, which mm-hmm. was Great Khali's specialty match at the time. It was as it premiered. It was a that's a whole side story onto itself, the concept behind it. But uh, he was to take on the Undertaker. Uh, we had Bobby Lashley in a, in a big match, and he also I was pulled from the show. So he had Khali, Bobby Lashley, Super Crazy, and a few other guys were pulled. They basically. Uh, were red flagged for false positives or on uh, elevated enzymes, uh, so liver issues, uh, that all turned out to be false. We didn't know that for weeks. But those guys were on the DL uh, indefinitely as a result. Uh, we had already taken care of TV and everything, and we were in our final stretch going into the pay-per-view that weekend. So it was a really challenging situation. Uh, we did a, We did have... We, you know, social media really at that point was MySpace and WWE really wasn't wired to it. Uh, so you, you had to get your message out to the site, and that was decent. But just the creative was so hard. You just basically are trying to live up to that obligation of we all, we were going to give you a Punjabi prison match, and it was against the Giant. So instead, we got Big Show, mm. uh, and the match you know was a it was a difficult match because it wasn't it wasn't built properly. Uh, you had a cage that was really not the design of what it should have been. Originally, that match was supposed to be a death match, an exploding FMW, IWA Japan style death match. Uh, but be, by the time it went from us to production at WWE and they take care of those kind of elements, um, when we got the final concept uh, days before the event, we were baffled to see it be, uh, you know, basically bamboo. It looked like something out of Indiana Jones and the Doom <laughs> instead of something that was, you know, going to be a lot different. So yeah. um, you just never know with these kind of things. And so we had a lot of challenges with that show. And at the time, that's when I first started hearing about the rumor of there being a great American bash curse and that ever since WWE inherited the event, there had been issues every year. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's true or not, but um, we'll see. Uh, and for its money, in terms of the worst Great mm-hmm. American Bash, I mean, 1991 was pretty funky mm-hmm. with the scaffold match where no one wanted to be on it, and you had uh, the whole weirdness with Ric Flair walking out, and then you had to decide a champ between Luger and Wyndham. But this one's probably instantly worse. That might make 91 look like an all-time great compared to. Uh, <laughs> the challenges we had in 2006, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that was a, that was a challenge and you just tried to do your best to 
as as the saying goes, turn lemons into lemonade. And sometimes you're going to come up short because you just don't have better options. Or the you know you might be able to hey, what if we were just to bring in someone that's on the outside and sign them to something and and, and get them to come out and make a big splash. But the boss says, nope, we got to stick to our roster. We got to stick to our budget. We can't do that. So mm-hmm. there are limitations, and sometimes Vince will waive uh, those limitations and allow the, you to go into uh, another sandbox and pull some of the toys. He did that with Kurt Angle. I, I thought that you know, there's two ways to look at it. They they might have robbed Kurt of a real great comeback at Replicate when he first comes back into WWE and building around that. Um, but they had to, to, to find a solution for that match. Uh, I would have probably gone with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, me too. I think uh, using one of your Brock Lesnar cards in that match, he's a mercenary. It's easy to get you into that frame of mind. I thought it would have been a compelling get. Um, and he would have been able to be physical in that match. Um, and I think he's more valued there than on a house show if you had X amount of house show matches left on his contract. So mm-hmm. it's... It's you know it, it's also different because you're in a, you're in a vacuum when you're in that creative environment, on the horn for five six hours trying to figure out a solution, and all of a sudden everyone's convinced themselves, Kurt Angle's the guy, and here's why. Um, and it's hard because you can't you know you play Monday morning quarterback on the creative team, but in that moment when you're in that environment for hours and feel like you're you're a jurist uh, trying to decide the fate of someone in a, in a criminal case. All of a sudden, you have 12 people that are on the same page because they just want to get uh, a verdict done. Uh, and so it, it's kind of a war of attrition sometimes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and so, you know, we got this Survivor Series coming up uh, and shortly here, and, and we got some uh, angle coming back for another match. Again, kind of diluting yeah. that big match feel for, you know, reportedly Mania. Um, but you know, I, I think the, the the positive is both of those matches weren't singles matches, so you can still build for you know the right. big singles match, the big uh, you know when he comes out in the singlet and, and things like that. I think the shield gear helped him. I think it was I think it protected him from uh, still having that aura of a real singles return. Uh, but he will be at summer uh, at Survivor Series and just. Uh, your overall thoughts on, on the, just the Survivor Series card? Roman Reigns uh, was was talked about being a, a fifth member. Now it seems like we'll get the Shield versus the New Day. Uh, you know, I think personally, I think one of the biggest the, one of the biggest criticisms I have right now is just I'm a traditionalist, I'm a big fan of the face heel dynamic, and you have the mid card champions both heels, you have the women's champions both heels. Uh, Babyface versus babyface is good if it's built up properly, but you're not going to have much of a strong build to to do the Shield versus the New Day, uh, you know, which are you know two incredibly huge babyface trios on each um, on each brand. So, your overall thoughts on just uh, what what Survivor Series is looking like right now? Well, it's it's looking a little funky. They're they're hot shotting a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, they've done that over the last month or two, really. If you look at even before TLC, what they I mean, what they're doing with the Shield reunion, you could you could argue is, is hot shotting the product. Uh, but that is an indication to me that they have quite possibly something very compelling for WrestleMania mm-hmm. product like they're they're doing right at this moment. 
what does that tell you that they possibly may have on the horizon for WrestleMania? Uh, maybe we have Ronda Rousey. Maybe we have Conor McGregor. What do we have for WrestleMania? That's, that's, that's the question I have right now. Is if you're building this up, if you're heating things up to the extent you are, what do you have up your sleeve for later? Because you wouldn't be doing this if you needed this for later on. Right. And, and so that's going to be a real interesting thing to see is what's the road WrestleMania going to look like? Is this Brock Lesnar send-off? Uh, he's, he's in his contract year. He should be finishing up unless something changes in March. Or, I'm sorry, April. Mm-hmm. April uh, 8th or 9th, something like that. So uh, where does he end up? And, and, and what's the future of Paul Heyman if, in fact, uh, this is the end for Brock Lesnar in WWE? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is, he has to sit out a serious amount of time for suspension for his last go-around in the UFC against Mark Hunt. So there's, there's just so many, there's so many interesting variables here. Yeah. There really are. I don't know what the future is going to be for, for Survivor Series or the Road to WrestleMania, but it's going to be looking a little fun. It's going to look a little different than I think we, we all anticipate. And I just don't know if it's going to include Ronda or any of these things. Yeah, certainly. It's been a pleasure, Court. Let the listeners know once again where to find you on social media. For sure. Uh, you can find us on social media at MLW and Facebook.com slash Major League Wrestling and Instagram dot com slash major league wrestling and i'm on twitter at court bauer c-o-u-r-t b-a-u-e-r just like jack bauer and i'm also on instagram at court bauer as well and you can learn more about mlw at mlw.com or go to our podcast network mlw radio network at mlwradio.com that all means that court bauer is a very busy guy and he's loving what he's doing and he doesn't get much sleep. That's what that's what I just heard. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The world <laughs> of MLW never stops, and apparently neither does my world. So uh, it's a good thing to be busy. I, I I can't say how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing, and uh, uh, my job is just to try to give you guys the best I can, and so hopefully I deliver on that. Awesome. Thanks for taking your time to speak with us tonight, Court. Hey, my pleasure. Take care, Chris. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Court Bauer, for being on the show tonight, episode 293. Once again, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We've got so much to talk about tonight. Of course, I am Chris Featherstone. And follow us on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and support the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. we got some live uh, comments coming up here. Of course, uh, Hashtag Panslams, P-A-N-S-L-A-M-S, Panslams. If you want to uh, be a part of um, the Twitter conversation or just uh, go to at Crave Wrestling and uh, tweet away. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we got the uh, one of my favorite uh, co-hosts, uh, one of my favorite guest co-hosts uh, of Pancakes and Power Slam show history. Uh, he's been on this show as a guest co-host for a lot of times and uh, most likely a lot more. <laughs> and uh, uh, we just have a good time and a good chat every single time he gets on the show. So uh, we got so much to talk about. So let's bring him right on. Without further ado, feature columnist from Bleach Report, the doctor, Chris Mueller. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. 
My pleasure, my pleasure. We got so much to talk about. We got some interesting developments from tonight. So lots and lots and lots of uh of good, interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, it was uh it was a very eventful evening, especially in that main event, man. I I know they spoiled it earlier in the day, but it didn't make watching it any less fun for me personally. I agree. Totally I agree with that. All right, further, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the headlines. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the first headline. Wow, wow, wow. What a weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it all started uh, in the beginning of the week. When it was like, is this really real? Yes, it is really real. Uh, it happened. Power struggle over the weekend. Uh, Kenny Omega defeated Beretta uh, for the WGP uh, um, U.S. Championship. Cuts a promo, a typical Bullet Club promo. Button on the jumbo screen. The Count the lights go out. The countdown comes on the jumbo screen, and all of a sudden, Chris Jericho's face pops up. Cuts a promo. Kenny Omega rips his uh, picture off and challenges Jer- Jericho challenges Omega to a match at Wrestle Kingdom. Wow, wow, wow. Of course, it was accepted. We are going to have, for the first time, this is the first time Jericho's competed outside the WWE in 18 years. I mean, this is the WWE lifer. I won't compete outside the WWE ever in my life, ever in my life. Just such a loyal, loyal person in WWE. But, uh, you know, he's Jericho's already. An advocate of uh, just independent wrestlers and just people who are really caught, scratched away. Of course, uh, when he, you know, the past couple of uh, uh, returns that Jericho had, he, you know, he worked with uh, Luke Harper, he worked with Finn Balor, he worked with Kevin Owens, he worked with Neville, you know, four people who uh, were in the indies for years before they went into the WWE. So he's worked with a lot of people who, before they went to WWE, Quan scratched away to that place. So obviously, there's an appreciation that he had for that. Of course, there was you know times that you know he over the past few weeks he was talking you know and he was feuding with uh, with Kenny Omega. People thought you know how far is this going to go because Jericho's a WWE guy, and uh, of course it was a shock to many, a shock to most that. Jericho was almost 20 years stepping out of the WWE, competing against Kenny Omega in about seven weeks. Yeah, it's it definitely caught me off guard, but it's a, it's an awesome thing for New Japan and Kenny Omega and all that. But after I started thinking about it, it almost seemed like very convenient timing because Jericho's been plugging this wrestling cruise that he's been putting together. And I could just I could just see it playing out where 
He beats Omega for the title, makes a bunch of headlines, gets a ton of publicity, and then announces a rematch on his cruise, drafts the title back, fills up the ship with people wanting to see that rematch. It's, yeah. it's a, If that's what he's going for, it might be the most brilliant marketing strategy a wrestler or a wrestling company has used in a long time. He thought for 10 months, though? I don't know. I mean, it all depends on what his plans are with WWE as to how long he would hold the title. But you know how New Japan is. They have so many belts right now that Jericho could maybe hold it, work a couple of times defending it before (laughs) dropping it back. I don't know. But it just seems like the timing is real convenient, and we know he's going to have – Bullet Club and ROH and some New Japan guys on that cruise. So it just makes sense that he would probably end up working a match or two while he's there anyway. I think I think that would be a very brilliant marketing marketing strategy if he would, uh, you know, capture the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. The only thing is, like I said, at the a ten about a ten month gap, you know, between Wrestle Kingdom and the cruise. I just don't see Jerry. Jericho typically doesn't hold belts very long, uh, and you know he's uh, you know a lot of people credit Jericho. He's one of my favorites of all time. But uh, Jericho is uh, one of the king. I mean, people always say this to Edge about Edge, but Jericho is definitely one of those transitional champs. And uh, as we saw with a lot of his WWE championships, uh, the 0708 one was. It was less transitional because uh, the, the, he was, you know, really one of the top heels in WWE. But uh, the other, you know, five reigns that he had uh, were quite transitional. Uh, however, you know, like you said, I mean, there are a lot of belts, a, a lot of belts in IWGP. Well, in New Japan, you know, you have the, of course, you have the world, you have the junior heavyweight, which, you know, Kenny Omega also had. You have the never uh, open weight championship. Um, you know you have, uh, of course, the intercontinental championship, uh, and of course the uh, the heavyweight. So you have the six man and tag team. There's quite a bit of uh, of, of titles in in in, uh, in New Japan. Um, so you know it, it doesn't necessarily require. And plus, you know, New Japan they have events. They don't have events like. Every single time, you know, like every single month, like, and we'll right. Cutting in and out real bad. 
Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it all works out here a little bit better soon. There, you just later. started coming in clear again. Good, 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 good. Um, he was on Killing the Town um, recently, and he was talking about how um, just his the original intent was to um, uh, he, he he talked to Triple H, he talked to WWE about acquiring NXT talent, and that was his first you know kind of order of business because like I said he's he's been a very loyal WWE guy, and you know it's just how he's been you know the past eighteen years, um, and he got rejected. He got rejected by. You know, he asked Triple H, he said he waited about three months just to have, for them to have a 35-minute conversation to him, just to try to, you know, kind of cut corners to get to the point of they're going to reject his offer. So, he went and he uh, he asked, uh, you know, then he reached out to the ROH talent. So, you know, he did his due diligence, he says. He says WWE is, uh, uh, is, does not play well, uh, and he did his due diligence before going to, you know, ROH talent. He said he told Triple H that he's still going to do it. Uh, so uh, I got, you know, I respect him for that. He, you know, he stayed loyal to WWE and then acquired ROH talent when he said, you know, was told that uh, he wasn't going to do it. And so, you know, you really can't knock him for that. And I don't think there's really anyone he, you know, there's, he's not, he's not under contract with WWE. He does that on purpose. He, you know, he, he, he's for, the, for a number of years, He's been having short-term contracts, uh, and what he does is, you know, he, he, he'll he have a contract for a certain amount of time, just like last time he had a contract, and it, ended at, it was supposed to end at WrestleMania. It was going really well with him and Kevin Owens. They uh, went against each other at payback, and then, you know, uh, he got written off uh, um, at the following uh, SmackDown, I believe it was, when he lost to, uh, the U.S. Championship. So, you know, that's what he does. And, you know, he's not under contract, so he doesn't have those obligations to report any and everything he does. So there's not really anything to get upset about with Chris Jericho. You know, he just he's just a loyal player. And, uh, you know, at this point, it's one of those things that WWE really doesn't have any say uh, in, in, the, in, in the, you know, ordeals with him in New Japan. He's just... Like you said, he's doing his due diligence. So uh, right. Jericho, you know, Jericho is uh, he, he's his he's his own brand. So he has every right to do whatever he wants. Yeah, and, and being the veteran that he is, and all the time that he's put in with the company and everything he's done, I doubt that there would be any hard feelings. I'm sure they'd welcome him back with open arms in a year or two if he decided to come back for a short time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there were talks that. Uh, Vince was not affected at all, but Triple H uh, may may be affected about it. Um, you know, WWE's very, <laughs> very uh, particular, very stern about uh, you know the, their brand. You know, people being exclusive to their brand. You know, that's the reason why they change names all the time. So it'll be interesting to see um, if there's any type of hard feelings. But like I said, I see Jericho back in the mix uh, sooner than later. I think this really, I mean, he's, he's 47 years old. So I don't think he, you know, he's at a point now where at 47 or about, I think his birthday is in November. So he's either 47 or about to turn 47, uh, 47 years old. 
this is a, a perfect type of revival of his career. I mean, you know, people who are 47 are usually to, on the twilight of their career. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people don't even last to be 47 uh, as far as right. uh, their, uh, you know, as far as, uh, well, November 9th. So he'll be 47 on Thursday. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, a lot of people don't even last to be 47 as far as their in-ring career. So, to do this at 47, he'll be, you know, 47 by the time Wrestle Kingdom come. I think it's just one of those things that Jericho has always been that person that does such a fantastic job just creating different perks about reviving his career. He's always had that type of genius mindset. Yeah, and you know what? If this works out and it ends up being a big moneymaker, all he's doing is market research for WWE. We might see a WWE cruise in two years. You never know. I mean, if this thing is successful, they might team up with Jericho in the future and make it a big thing. I mean, it's it's worked for – I mean, I think the first time I ever heard about one of these, like, revival cruises was uh, the Backstreet Boys did one several mm-hmm. years ago. And I guess it was, like, a huge hit. It made a ton of money. And people loved it, and they and they did more because people wanted it, and that we could see that with this too. Because I've looked at the prices. I mean, for what you're getting, it actually seems like it's not a bad value. So mm-hmm. I could see a lot of fans being willing to shell out money for this as opposed to a WrestleMania trip, for example, because this is going to be something completely new. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think market research is a, definitely a good terminology for that. Uh, Jericho did say that uh, you know one of the reasons why uh, Vince, a couple of reasons why Vince McMahon uh, kind of didn't want to. Well, the reason why Vince McMahon felt as if NXT wouldn't be uh, utilized on the cruise is because he said he said stated that he doesn't like cruises. And, uh, you know, he, you know, the danger of, of being on the boat, which they fly all the time, that's not much of a difference as far as safety is concerned. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, he, he has this, you know, phobia of, of his talent getting food poisoning is what, is what Jericho said. So I don't know if that's, uh, you know, Vince Mann just being super old school as far as just uh, his anxieties is concerned. But uh, I definitely don't think uh, those are, uh, common uh, issues with uh, people. Uh, I know, you know, uh, nausea, you know, can come with uh, with cruises, but I don't know about food poisoning. I've actually read a lot of horror stories about like half of a cruise ship getting food poisoning, but considering how many cruises happen each year, I'm sure the percentage is less than, you know, 1% of all cruises. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but I get <laughs> I get why some people might be a little freaked out about the the movement of the ship. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're on the top rope and all of a sudden thing bucks a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never know. So, I mean, it'd be, it'd be kind of like trying to have a wrestling match on a moving airplane. Turbulence comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Mother nature is the, the third man of the NWO. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's, whose side is he on? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, just as far as just any type of shaking while you're on the I, ropes, but yeah, I hope they film this stuff and we get like a DVD or a webcast or something. I, I'd, oh. I'd love to see. I'm sure the environment's going to be crazy. It's going to be, 
it's going to be like an NXT takeover. You're going to have only hardcore fans there, and it's going to be nuts. Right. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, and I can see, I can definitely see them filming. Um, I mean, at the very least, I mean, people are going to, you know, uh, put audio and, and video uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So uh, that's sure, one sure. good thing about, uh, you know, that's one good thing about uh, having events is that, uh, you know, you you get to the audience or or, or your free photographers. So uh, a lot right. of that's that's one good thing about social media these days. Uh, first Survivor Series trivia, tri- Survivor Series trivia question uh, of the night: Who made it to the grand grand finale? Uh, at Survivor Series 1990. Who made it to the grand finale at Survivor Series 1990? We've got a bunch of uh, comments here uh, on the Facebook Live. Uh, we're we're uh, streaming live through Wrestling News. I'm the associate editor there. Uh, great site, WrestlingNews.co. Of course, we have Blog Talk Radio, where the Pancakes and Power Slam show is housed. And, of course, Crave Wrestling on Twitter. Follow us at Crave Wrestling for wrestling news and, and rumors and breaking news and any type of uh, fun trivia that I might just uh, uh, might just drop at the bottom of and at, just at, at any point. Uh, and of course, uh, follow us. Uh, follow Crave, the Crave Wrestling Facebook, uh, and my personal account is also Chris Prolific. So, uh, anything wrestling, all things wrestling, uh, be sure to follow and support. And we definitely appreciate your support. We got some answers here that are not the correct answer. So I'll, I'll wait. Again, the question on deck is: uh, Who made it to the grand finale match? At Survivor Series 1995 of the week this week is uh, Chris and I uh, chose a, f- a team of five for Survivor Series. You all this life, get your five, and say here as well. So, the pick five and so all between the series 1987 to 1990. Five people that is a team for your survivor series. Sorry, Chris, I don't know if you can hear me. You're cutting out again. Normal. So there was some uh, there there was some report of a former WWE. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, he uh, he broke the news that uh, Emma Lee uh, had a lot to do with uh, Emma's release and how Emma would just typically reject um, offers to her as far as just characters uh, ideas. And was not was not easy to work with. Is what uh, the report says. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on just uh, Emma? Uh, you know, I don't think she's going to have any issue at all with uh, any indie work. But uh, you know, the reports that uh, I, I've actually heard myself when people used to work with her that uh, she was not uh, she was not easy to work with. Uh, so, what are your, what are your thoughts on that as far as just uh, the difficulty, the reported difficulty of Emma um, 
uh, working with the creative staff, which uh, reportedly ultimately led to her demise. You know, it's it's tough to comment on that kind of stuff, not having any kind of firsthand knowledge of the situation. I mean, you always hear how if a man speaks up for himself, it's considered authoritative, but if a woman does it, it's considered, you know, nagging or annoying or something. So, yeah, you know, her complaints may just be her sticking up for herself and not wanting to do a bad gimmick. And a lot of wrestlers have said, you know, if you don't stick up for yourself in WWE, you're going to get saddled with something you don't like. So as far as that's concerned, Emelina, was a horrible idea in the first place, and if she complained about it, I don't blame her. <laughs> Never should have been her gimmick. It should have been Lana's. I mean, that's a that's a Lana gimmick. That's not a Emma gimmick. Emma should have kept that badass heel that she was playing for the past few months. And I mean, they really just did not utilize her the way she should have been. And I understand why she was frustrated. Yeah. Well, I think the evil, evil Emma. Well, I mean, what was that? The evil Emma gimmick. Think that was out because like it was a really good um, kind of rebranding for her in NXT, uh, and you know, because she was just kind of doing the just the, the dance thing that just kind of really got uh, uh, timed out. Uh, but same time, even Emma really helped her. Rebrand herself. I mean, I thought the the babyface gimmick was pretty bad. So as soon as she started showing attitude, I was all on board. I mean, I know she's a great wrestler, and she really embraced that gimmick. I mean, ever all the little details from like the dark lipstick to those little half gloves she was wearing, it all yeah. made her just look really, really dislikable, you know, and it just it made it really easy to buy into that heel character, and I thought she did it well, too, so, I mean I think this is WWE's failure, not hers Really? Yeah, honestly, I do She could have she could have been a champion, and they let her go Now, do you think she would have been a champion? Do you think Eva would have been based on what we saw do you think that was like a quality enough character to be? I mean, she's she's got all the talent in the world, but it all it all comes down to what WWE wants. I mean, I don't know how she was backstage and how any of that dealt with it, but I always thought she was decent on the mic, right in the ring. I mean. There's a few women who've won titles ahead of her that shouldn't have. So, yeah, that's just my two cents. Uh, Hold on, sorry, man, you're cutting out again. Do you think that there's anyone who she should have blind? Oh, um, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily would have made a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I said, uh, you know, she'll be fine uh, within the independence, and and you know, it it should all work out for her. I, I don't see any issues going on with her in the future as far as just getting good indie dates. I'm sure that uh, uh, there are people just there there are people chomping at the things at this point now. 
1990. Uh, someone asked what year. Um, 1990, but uh, time's up. Here's the correct answer. Uh, uh, the grand finale was Hulk Hogan, The Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana against DiBiase, Martel, The Warlord, and Power and Glory. And the baby faces end up winning that one. Um. What short-lived, what short-lived team aligned with Brutus Beefcake, Sam Houston, Jim Brazel, and the Blue Blazer to win their match at Survivor Series 1988? That's a bit of a difficult one for you. What team, what short-lived team aligned with Brutus Beefcake, Sam Houston, Jim Brazel, and the Blue Blazer to win their match at Survivor Series 1988? Uh, I'll give you a hint. Both of them, uh, both of the people, both of the team members um, are both um, WWE. Well, is one of them? Wait, yeah, WWE Hall of Famers and uh, former world champions. Two of the biggest stars in WWE history. So there's your, there's your hint. Should have received it, but uh, I felt nice enough to give you a hint for tonight for this particular question. Uh, the next headline, so Sawyer Fulton, former former uh, uh, Sanity member, the original member of Sanity, with Eric Young and with uh, Alexander Wolf and, of course, Nikki Cross. Uh, Sawyer Fulton, he uh, was a good member of Sanity. Um, he was a relative unknown along with um, – uh, along with, I mean, of course, Eric Young was huge. Nikki Cross was relatively was known ish as far as just, uh, I mean, of course, the hardcore fans know her, but uh, not a lot of people knew her from her indie work. Uh, and uh, Alexander Wolf uh, was not very known as well as far as a wide crowd is concerned. Uh, so it was a really, really good opportunity for. Uh, Sawyer Fulton. Uh, Sawyer Fulton started in 2012, so he was in uh, uh, NXT for four years um, before landing that spot uh, in Sanity. So it was one of those things where uh, they appreciated his work um, enough to really give him a good spot, you know, for um, you know for NXT. So it was a good spot. Unfortunately, he got injured. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, Killian Dane, Big Damo uh, in the Indies uh, became Killian Dane in, in WWE. So, you know, what kind of hurt him was WWE was looking to, you know, to bring Big Damo in. Uh, Sanity was a perfect opportunity for him. And they wrote Fulton off. He recovered about uh, and, and started get, Competing again uh, about six months after he got written off in, in house shows. Uh, he's been doing some house show work, um, you know, within the past six months. So, and then of course they let him go, unfortunately. So, you know, and he wrote a big, you know, he wrote a pretty poignant letter about uh, just his appreciation. Uh, it was really, it was, it was good, you know, one of those things that leaving on good terms type of letter. Um, I think he's only 27 years old, so he's got a lot. You know, he's, he's he's got some time left in the business. So, you know, best wishes to Sawyer Sawyer Fulton, and I definitely think that uh, 
you know, uh, him. I interviewed Marcus Louis uh, one time, and uh, you know, he was talking about how he was even thought about being a, a member of Sandy. It would be interesting to see like Sawyer Fulton and Marcus Louis, you know, team up in the in the independence. I know that uh, uh, Baron uh, um, when he was with uh, Lafort, um, you know, but uh, they were the tribunal and impact, and of course, traveling issues. Uh, kind of hurt both of them. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Sawyer Fulton. Uh, I don't I don't know if uh, there's the good thing about you know releases nowadays in WWE is that people can certainly make their way in the independents now because the independent scene is such a is such a really really hot place to be to just kind of really develop your craft. We've seen it with. Uh, numerous talents, specifically people uh, like Drew McIntyre, um, you know, especially Drew McIntyre, Cody's doing it now. So there's many people who have left the WWE and just really honed their craft in the Indies. I can see Fulton doing that as well. He just needed a little bit more reps, a, a few more years, and I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, you know, WWE is still the big leagues, but it's no longer the end-all, be-all. It's, it's not all bingo halls and VFWs anymore, so he'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. So WWE is reportedly doing less pay-per-views in, uh, in, in 2018, uh, which reportedly, uh, hopefully, that's that's what we'll, we'll get. Um, I, this this pay-per-view every other week thing, um, it's just not cutting it for me. As much as I love professional wrestling, uh, you and I get paid to, to, to watch wrestling, you know, something that we've been doing all of our lives, and uh, and we get paid to, to watch it and write about it, you know, so that's a, a dream come true. But pay-per-view every other week, just uh, it's oversaturated. It takes away just the mystique of, of just pro wrestling, it doesn't give proper it doesn't give proper builds to matches. It doesn't develop characters good enough. Just like you know, if Jinder Mahal had some time to really develop his character, and the belt just wasn't thrust on him, I think that people would have bought into his character a little bit more. Uh, but just the the thrust of of, of pay per views, you know. Uh, two pay-per-views a month. It just it's oversaturated and leaves no room for suspense or mystique. So uh, just you know, if, if this report end up, ends up being uh, you know very true, uh, I think this is a really really good thing for the WWE. I mean, of course we used to have the Big Four, you know, and a, a couple Saturday night Saturday nights main events in between. Uh, of course, with uh, you know the pay-per-view buys being a, a really big portion of the WWE revenue um, you know we had monthly pay-per-views uh, when they kind of incorporated in your house and then um, and then eventually that you know led you know with this brand split you know it just too many pay-per-views at once uh, and I think the just I uh, hope hopefully 2018 would give us like it was at the at the first uh installment of the split you you would have a raw pay-per-view on one month a smackdown pay-per-view on the next month not a raw and a smackdown pay-per-view in one month i think that's just uh oversaturation 
No, I totally agree. I, I'm, I'd be pleased if they went back to one a month, even if that meant every other month was a different brand. That would yeah. be fine with me. It would give longer. It'd give more chance to tell stories. They'd be able to do. I mean, they're already doing title matches on TV regularly these days anyway, so it's not yeah. like you have to wait until pay-per-views anymore. I mean, we just saw two tonight. <laughs> you know, I mean, how, in the last six months, I think we've seen more title matches than we did all last year. So yep. with the WWE Network being a monthly subscription service, they no longer really worry about pay-per-view buy rates, and it's... It's a natural evolution. I mean, this is a cost-cutting measure, I'm sure, but but it's, it's yeah. you know, we we also have four takeovers or five takeovers every year from NXT, mm-hmm. and they've been doing one or two big tournaments a year. I mean, they need to start dialing back a little bit before people just start to walk away from the product from getting so inundated with it so much. 100% true. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully um, they'll spend more time. Uh, good job, correct, correct answer on that. Uh, Pedro, great um, uh, great remark here. Doesn't like every two weeks. Doesn't let the storylines to develop. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, um, I, I totally agree with that. As I, as I mentioned, it does not give the storylines to develop. Um, yeah, so the uh, – Hmm. So, Sean asks, do you think they'll add the UK division on either show or maybe 205 Live? Uh, it's been reported that Pete Dunne, we'll talk about uh, Raw here in just a, just a moment. Actually, we're about to hop into talking about that here in just a bit. So, uh, as a matter of fact, Sean, I'll save that uh, remark as far as 205 Live uh, for our Raw and SmackDown talk in uh, just a bit. Uh, the Mega Powers uh, is the correct answer on that. About to hop into a short break. Before that, uh, the next question is, who lost the WWE Championship at Survivor Series 1995? Who lost the WWE Championship and Survivor Series 1995? All right, we'll be right back with Raw and SmackDown Talk. So just the uh, the skinny notes on uh, Raw in Manchester. We had the Miz TV with Kurt Angle. Um, then it developed into a match between uh, between uh, Miz and Strowman. We had Jason Jordan defeating Elias in the Guitar and a Pole match. We had Asuka defeating Stacey Coates. Uh, they're doing the jobber deal with her now, looks like. Finn Balor defeating, uh, well, it's a double countout with Finn Balor and Joe. Looks like that may develop into a feud coming up here. Uh, Braun Strowman uh, going against The Miz, and then it leads to Kane appearing and battling Strowman. Uh, the Cruiserweight versus the Bruiserweight. Kurt Angle uh, introduces Pete Dunne. 
Sheamus and Cesaro defeating Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose because of distraction by the New Day. Um, Pedro, yes, Diesel is the correct answer. Great job. Chris, your thoughts on Raw? Uh, I thought Raw was all right. I thought the last hour was was the best. Um, I I love Pete Dunne, so seeing him on Raw was a big treat for me. And Plus, it's always fun to watch somebody beat up Enzo Amore these days. But the... (laughs) The main event, I thought it was. I thought it was smart the way they did that with the New Day faking an invasion and then it costing Rollins and Ambrose the title, so they could potentially set up Shield versus New Day because I think that's a a trio versus trio match. A lot of people didn't think we'd see because the groups didn't really overlap. So there was there was some interest as soon as the Shield realigned, and with them being on opposite brands, it's a perfect addition to that Survivor Series card. So. Uh, I thought the last hour really played well, and I thought it did a good job pushing the pay-per-view. The other two hours were okay. Uh, Nothing really stands out too much to me. I mean, Strowman is always fun to watch, so it was kind of cool to see him with, you know, Miz, Axel, and Bo Dallas just kind (laughs) of running over everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. Um, uh, Question here, as far as Raw is concerned, do I think... uh, um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, cool backdrop with all the posters uh, for those who watch it of all the WrestleMania uh, years uh, in my studio here. Um, got a bunch of questions here as far as Raw is concerned. Uh, UK division. Sean, you asked, uh, do you think that uh, they have the UK division on either show or maybe 205 Live? Uh, so there's reports that are saying that, that Dunn was just kind of uh, just to hype up the UK crowd um, As far as It's concerned right now um, And of course they did Something on 205 Live as well But um, it's it, From from what I've heard It's just a um, It's just a simple UK boost To, to, to bump up the division uh, Triple H has said in conference calls Before that there's not uh, Anything a set in stone as far as just really having an actual division as far as shows is concerned. Uh, that's something that, uh, of course, is on the, the list of things to do, but it's not a high priority right now. Um, I still don't understand necessarily the UK championship as far as just uh, defense and things. I know that they uh, they partner up with um, different places, uh uh, Triple H actually was just in ICW uh, I think it was last week uh, He made a surprise appearance there So uh, the UK talent still They still do a, a ton of stuff Independently ICW, Progress um, they, they still uh, What Culture had uh, I know I think they're called Defiant Wrestling now And um, there's a lot of UK Good UK um, Independent promotions uh, That WWE talent still Work for as far as UK scene is concerned So you know that's From what I've heard They, they don't have a very high uh, Yearly salary And they have the opportunity to work Kind of with those indie UK Promotions because WWE hasn't really had an exclusive Style uh, Division for them so I don't see that happening anytime soon I can I can see them being featured On takeovers like they have been uh, and and really, it seems like that's the division right now. I'm not, that's uh, not really gives much time for exposure. You know, they, they've had some NXT appearances too. 
Uh, Wolfgang's been on in NXT, of course. Of course, Mustache Mountain uh, defeated. Uh, they they had a little mini feud with uh, the Undisputed Era. So, you know, they've they've had some exposure on NXT. Um, and so, you know, Chris, uh, the UK division is. I, I don't I don't know what grade I give it now, but it just really really seems like that's really to market the UK division, allow them to have you know, some independent dates, but not really stress the fact to actually create an, a, a division right now. Well, I think they definitely jumped the gun a little bit with the tournament. I think they, yeah. they got all these great wrestlers, everything came together. And then once Tyler Bate was the champion, they didn't know what to do. So uh, one of the things that I've liked though, is that you do actually see that title being defended at ICW and progress shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while the division may not technically exist in WWE as a real division yet, there's still some life to it. And I could see this becoming like a, a once a month kind of program, you know, where they mm-hmm. just have a once a month, one hour or two hour thing with a bunch of UK talents, whether they're those same eight guys that we've been seeing recently or not. But, you know, it's not like they have to maintain a weekly show in order to keep that title going. I mean, that title has gotten Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne so much more attention. Oh yeah. And, you know, there's really no downside to having it out there. So, I don't really think there's a rush for them to get some weekly show going. They could easily just, like you said, you know, do a match at every takeover and occasional NXT and then just let those guys go out and do other stuff. And they're kind of marketing for WWE just by working. So it's, it's really, I don't think it's in a bad position. It's just one of those things that they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, so another question, do you think it would be, uh, do you think it helped 205 having some of the wrestlers? Um, uh, not really. Uh, I don't think to see the thing is, I think 205 needs star power. I talked to Shane Helms, um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about this here on the show about how just 205 it needs more star power. I just, you know, there's talks of Hadel Tommy, which will be, I think, will be a great grab. Uh, but you know, they, they're they're afraid to to bring in heavy hitters like you know Finn Balor, you know, because he you know was the Universal Champ. Now I can understand I can understand why, but if you really want that division to soar, you know, you got to bring in some heavy hitters. Uh, you know, I would. Personally, I would acquire Rey Mysterio for 205 Live. I can, I, I, I would prefer that because the thing is, people like, you know, and and I, I totally appreciate their talent so much. But people like Lince Dorado, uh, Grand Matalik, uh, uh, Aria Davari, fantastic talent. I've had him on the show. Great guy. Um, you know, Cedric Alexander, he's one of my favorites uh, in the 205 Live. I've had him on the show, too. They've got so many good names, so many awesome people. But the thing is, with, with pro wrestling in general, I mean, you see, you, you saw it with Sting and, and Flair. You've seen it with, you know, with, with Evolution, just uh, the, the fuse that they were in. You saw it with just a lot of people, you know, you, you have a veteran just kind of putting the younger guy over. And... 
that's the type of stuff that you need with 205 Live. If you're really trying to create stars instead of just a cluster of people competing every week with just storylines that aren't interesting enough to really buy into and invest in, uh, you need some heavy hitters. And I think Rey Mysterio would be a, a fantastic uh, addition to 205 Live, even if it was a, a GM role that kind of led to, um, you know, a match, you know, against Enzo or something like that at WrestleMania or some, something something to the nature. You know, that would be uh, something that would really help the division out. So next question. Uh, next question is, who competed in the casket match at Survivor Series 1994? Who competed in the casket match Survivor Series 1994? As far as Raw is concerned, I think it was a decent uh, show. Uh, it was good to see Pete Dunne. Uh, you know, I think the, the UK exposure just kind of, I mean, the crowd went bananas over him, so that's always a good thing. Um, I don't know, you know, and I've said this before. I said this, uh, you know, when I was talking to uh, you know, early on the show when I was talking to Court Bauer, I just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of just how they're mapping out Survivor Series. Like, we'll talk about we'll talk about SmackDown. I think that was a huge plus. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, but just overall, I mean, you're, it just seems like calling audibles before the show. You, you have these matches planned, but just. And I guess I'm making a bold prediction. I think Charlotte's going to beat Natalia uh, next week, and, and it'll be Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss, which looks much better on paper, just like AJ versus Lesnar looks much better on paper. Um, makes it a much more intriguing pay-per-view. But right now you have The Miz and Corbin, two of the biggest heels on each respective on their respective brands. You have Alexa and Natalia. Um, who are also two of the biggest heels in their respective brands as far as the women's division is concerned. So it's just not a really good uh, – it's, it's, not, it's not a really good division as far as just – I mean, it's not a really good card as far as just intrigue is concerned. Uh, so by them having matches, kind of saying the matches first and then kind of pulling audibles, just kind of, it just seems poorly planned. Um, I understand the suspense part of it, which is decent, but just to call, <laughs> just to call all these audibles, um, you know, before the pay per view, I, 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 I just it just seems a bush league to me. You know, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with the audibles because it's not like this kind of thing happens very often, where a card is laid out four weeks ago and then a few title changes happen. It's kind of a rare thing, but um, I agree with you that the Survivor Series card itself doesn't look all that great on paper. That being said, there's been a few pay-per-views over the past few years that didn't look great on paper that ended up being like better than a WrestleMania. I mean, we could end up seeing the Shield versus New Day in like a match of the year candidate. I mean, that's possible. Those guys can all go. So, you know, and if AJ Styles is able to actually fight Lesnar for 15 minutes and put on a good match, that could be a show stealer. So, Did I have you say fight hope. Lesnar for 15 minutes? Is that even possible? I know, I know. It seems unlikely, <laughs> but but that's the thing is, I don't think they would put the title on AJ just to have him 
be a stepping stone for Lesnar. They could have just had Mahal do that. I think they wanted AJ because they want to get a good match out of Lesnar. Lesnar's last few matches haven't exactly been amazing. So they need, they need something to legitimize Lesnar again, as far as his talent goes, because he hasn't been tested in a while. I mean, he gets paid a lot of money for a very few amount of dates, and he needs to start proving that he's worth it. And AJ Styles is the best guy for him to do that with. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So, what is uh, what was your highest point and your lowest point on Raw? Oh, um, as far as the lowest point goes. It would probably be just the whole Kurt Angle riling up the roster backstage kind of thing. Like, I just thought that didn't really play well intercut with the match. Mm-hmm. But as far as a high point goes, I actually did enjoy the ringside part of the New Day pretending like they were going to do something. And then nothing. <laughs> right, yeah, right. I love when Woods was heading out of the arena he said into the microphone kind of quietly went pump fake and just walked out yeah i don't think everybody caught that but that was really funny um (laughs) but uh i don't know if everybody noticed like jason jordan was booking it up those stairs to get to them like they pretty much had to get out of the arena so a fight didn't happen because otherwise jordan was going to reach him (laughs) but um it was weird. It was like the high and the low point both happened during those man during that match for me. But I'm actually I, I actually like that Cesaro and Sheamus got the titles because to me putting the titles back on them just keeps their momentum building. They're such a good team. So I'm I'm really happy to see them back in back in control. And I don't know if Jey Uso was actually injured tonight. There's like it looks it looked like a really brutal hit, but if the Usos are healthy and they can have that match with Sheamus and Cesaro, that's going to be awesome. It will. I just, you know, it's one of those things that I'm a big, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to face versus heels, like baby face versus baby face. If it's built properly, I'm cool with like Austin rock 17 was, was the fantastic match. Um, you know, Cena, Cena, Shawn Michaels was a good match at mania as well. Uh, you know, there's been some good mania, you know, matches, you know, face versus face, but you know, the the build was good for it. So, uh, yeah. got some uh, got some answers, but they are not correct. So, unfortunately, I got to pull this out today. Sorry about that. Uh, Undertaker versus Mayakozuna was the correct answer for that. What was the main event of Survivor Series 2000? What was the main event of Survivor Series 2000? Uh, my low point for the evening for Raw was um, uh, just the Kane Strowman thing. Uh, I think it just kind of was dull um, to, for them to build Kane and Strowman and then for Kane to come out and to fight Strowman. I think you save stuff like that for kind of like go home shows as far as physicality. Wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, high point, um, I'm going to go, I think Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe was a really good match. So I, I think, I mean, it led to a double count out, which I think is a great idea. It protects both of them, and it sets up for a future um, match, which was which is good. I think that was, I think that was a good call. 
All right, your thoughts on uh, SmackDown Live? I actually really like this week's SmackDown. I, I thought every segment moved well, and there wasn't a whole lot of, of wasted time. It was a, I thought it was a solid two hours. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, uh, I, I think it was solid, too. I like the fact that they're – uh, they kind of pushed the new day, you know, with the whole Kofi Kingston um, and uh, Stephen says Lesnar in the Fatal Four Way not that long ago was amazing. His best match of the current um, Fatal Four uh, was SummerSlam. No, I think I think Lesnar's best match was probably the Triple Threat at Royal Rumble with uh, um, Seth Rollins and Cena. What do you think, Chris? Well, I just think it's funny that the two matches that were just mentioned involved multiple other opponents who could put on right. good work while Lesnar was recovering from something. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I think in that fatal four-way, Lesnar got put through a table and he was down for a solid five minutes. He was out. Yeah, he left and came back. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so yeah, I mean, not exactly the uh, <laughs> the best endorsement of his skills. He hasn't had the best right. singles match in a while. But uh, um, I'm sorry. What was your question before that? What do you think his best? I mean, he's been there five and a half years now. So oh. what do you think his best match has been so far? You know, this is going to have a little bias to it, but I was there in at Extreme Rules in Chicago for his first match back against Cena. Okay. And that nice. I actually thought was an entertaining match, especially live because there was so much hype to it. So. Um, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. That first match back against Cena. I can see that. Wasn't a big fan of that at all. Okay, so Yokozuna was was said. I, I'm getting corrected here on the live stream. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you this. Good job. Uh, for for Yokozuna, uh, Triple H versus Stone Cold is the correct answer as well. Great job. All right, great job with these questions here. Who was the sole survivor of the 2004 Survivor Series main event match? How about that one? Um, I I say Cena and Rollins' Royal Rumble was good. I think, you know, know, a lot of people know how I feel about CM Punk. I wrote a very controversial piece on the Bleach Report some years ago that uh, got like 300 comments on it. (laughs) And uh, it was uh, a very, very controversial piece. But um, I think I think probably the best singles match was him and Punk uh, at, at SummerSlam. I think it was a, a decent. It was it was pretty good. I think it brought out Lesnar's offense a lot more, which was um, which was good. So um, his matches with Taker were meh um, because they both Taker, you know, of course, was like at his at his final countdown. <laughs> And Lesnar just really didn't help Taker as far as as far as that's concerned. Uh, yes, SmackDown Live, I think it was solid. Uh, I think uh, Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn was good. Orton Rusev um, we got a we had a question as far as uh, where do you think they're they'll push Rusev? I like this Rusev Day thing. This is funny. Um, I think perhaps him. There's been talks of him possibly becoming a babyface soon. Uh, I think I think people want to like Rusev. I think sometimes when you have competitors where people want to like them it kind of hurts them as heels that's i mean that's 
basically essentially why AJ turned again because he just kept getting AJ Styles chants, and that help, that that hurts him as a heel um, because yeah, I mean good heels I mean, you're not supposed to get cheered. Uh, right. So uh, so I think you know if they do that with Rusev, um, I think that would help his character. I think if they turn Rusev and Wyatt both on Raw and SmackDown, I think that will help their characters immensely because because fans want to cheer them both. So. We'll see how that goes. And then Rusev has a, uh, I mean, he has a an easy feud. He can feud with the Aiden English. Uh, you know, he can Aiden English can do something that kind of cost him, uh, um, you know, a match or something like that, and turn on him uh, after being yelled at or something like you know something like that. Now easily kind of help him as far as his baby face and and, and feud with Aiden English. So, I mean, that'll be an easy feud going into, uh, you know, whenever they decide to turn him. Um. Gable and uh, Benjamin, uh, as far as the, the count out with the Usos, it's it's kind of odd because um, it seems like they're protecting Gable and and and, uh, and, and Benjamin for uh, a potential feud, uh, a potential title run, which I like the team. I think they're a great, a very solid team. So uh, Lynch and Ellsworth actually went a lot better than I expected. <laughs> so yeah, yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> The intergender thing, you know, that's been so taboo with WWE for for a number of years. Um, but I think they did. I think they booked it very well. I think it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know, it didn't look like uh, anything over the top. I mean, a lot of people. You know, uh, a lot of people criticize Lucha Underground for <laughs> for that. Uh, you know, I I, I just um, recently saw a match with uh, Taya Valkyrie. I think she just went by Ty and, and Lucha, but um, she just got she got suplexed by Brian Cage from the Brian Cage was standing on the second rope outside. Taya Valkyrie was inside, and she got suplexed all the way over the rope into a table. So it was like, uh, um, you know, that's that's the Lucha the Lucha life. Uh, you know, of course, sexy star Taya Valkyrie. Um, uh, all goodness, what's her name? Uh, used to be in um, used to be in WWE. Really, really good. Um, she's uh, oh, her name slipped me. I, I don't remember her name, but she's she was in the WWE for a little bit. She was in NXT. You're um, thinking of Evelise, are you? Evelise, yes, <laughs> that's exactly okay. who I was thinking of. Uh, okay. Evelise, yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's in there as well. She's, she's fantastic. So, I mean, there's some, some, some good names there. Um, that's, uh, so what, know, what is your opinion on intergender wrestling though? Do you think it's, it's, do you think it's progressive to show that a woman can fight a man or do you think it's always negative to show any violence from a man to a woman? Now here's the, that's the big debate. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I think if it, I think if there is a rhyme to the reason, um, I can see it. Like, like uh, Ellsworth and Becky Lynch made perfect sense to me, and it was a very safe match, a very safe match, and it made sense from a storyline perspective. Um, you know, Becky Lynch is feuding with Carmella. Carmella sicked, you know, her dog, so to speak, on. Uh, on Becky, that's what the role he's playing nowadays. Um, it was a very safe match. You know, 
uh, Becky Lynch got pushed a couple times, and you know uh, Iris whipped most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so that was fine. But you know when you get to the goriness, when you get to just the hardcore lucha style, I like lucha underground. Um, good friends with Marty Elias. Uh, you know, um, I you know I I speak so many positive things because you know I'm good friends with Marty and. I speak very highly of the company, but uh, you know, I can I could pass on the hardcore intergender matches uh, personally uh, because I mean, you know, I, I think uh, when you have like sexy star going against like Mel Mortez, you know, who's Ricky Banderas is just a freak, you know, like just a machine, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, like when you have something like that. It just it's, it's it gets cringe it gets cringeworthy at times you know when when you know uh, someone goes through a table going against uh, you know someone who's you know double their size you know the the point is to show the um, show the athleticism and that you know the, the the woman can hang I don't think there's really nothing to prove there like there's nothing like there it doesn't matter like to me there's there's nothing to prove. You know, like if you if you're trying to prove that a woman can hang with a man in an intergender match, who cares? You know, what I mean, like, what? Why was that an issue? To me, there was never an issue to begin with to even prove. You know what I mean? Um, so that's really kind of my thoughts on it. I think if there's, like I said, if there's a rhyme to the reason, um, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I agree with you completely. I think it all depends on the opponents and the storyline. I mean, nobody wants to watch Brock Lesnar versus Alexa Bliss because that would just be horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. James Ellsworth versus Becky Lynch, you know, Becky Lynch is almost his size. Like, she's right. got strength. She's his height. It's It makes a lot of sense. I think Lucha Underground gets away with it, for one, because they have a lot of smaller male talents who yeah. – won't overpower the women like visually but Mm -hmm. at the same time I do think it's one of those things that more female fans care about than male fans because they think with Ronda Rousey making such an impact and and women athletes having so much success over the past couple of decades that it would be more progressive to show more intergender matches but I don't know if there's necessarily as big a market for it in WWE as there might be for a Lucha Underground or the Indies. True. Like Candice LeRae, you know, she fights guys all the time and it's entertaining and she's, you know, a a small girl, but she makes it look good. I don't know if that would translate the same on WWE television. I don't think so because it's still, I mean, no matter how far, how, how quote unquote progressive you get, WWE is still that character-based, you know, uh, sure. television. You know what I mean? So, right. um, you know, you you can you can get as indie you can try to get as indie as possible, but uh, that type of crowd, you know, they're looking for characters first, and you know, uh, that's what it's all about. Indie, you can get you can get away with it when you have that type of indie feel. Um, you know, there's a lot of people. You know, uh, Brandy Rhodes went against uh, Joey Ryan. You know what I mean? In, in the indies. Um, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, the whole plex type of, you know, deal that he's doing. Um, a lot of women, you know, he's went against women before and, uh, and they've caught, 
you know, the Plex, you know, and, um, you know. He's the Andy Kaufman of the 21st century. He is. Indeed he is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that's, uh, there's, you know, there's, you know, there's giggles with that. You know, there's, it's, it's, you know, a gimmick, you know, I mean, I can, I can understand that, but uh, that, of course, that wouldn't fly. Not one bit, you know, in the WWE, you know, atmosphere. So, <laughs> not in the PG era. era. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not even, not even a little bit. But uh, uh, Vince McMahon would get uh, a call probably immediately after it happens from one of the uh, <laughs> shareholders saying, "I'm right. I'm pulling out of here. <laughs> not not exactly. pulling out of here. So I'm out of here. So." Uh, I gotta please the gotta please this the this, this, this stockholder, so I, I totally understand. So. All right, so what do you got? Uh, high and low of SmackDown Live. Well, I was thinking about this for a few minutes, and I would have normally said AJ Styles winning the title would be the high, but I gotta actually go with Becky Lynch getting the win because I was sure WWE was gonna have Carmella have El- help Ellsworth cheat just to mm-hmm. get them more heat. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't and actually gave Becky that nice moment of finally being able to rip his arm out of its socket and all that, like. And I'm a, such a big Becky Lynch mark anyway, so um, that's got to be my high point. And as far as the low point goes. It, I mean, the shortness of the tag title match was obviously a low point, but I, I don't know. Like, I actually thought Jay might have been injured because that shot he took from Gable looked so brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He caved right in right after that. Yeah. So, yeah, it did look. Uh, you know, if, if it's uh, if it's a work, it was a really good sell. That's for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As far as my uh, my low point, um, I would say Orton versus Rusev. I'm so tired of that match. <laughs> I just yeah. really am. I just, uh, I mean, Orton is notorious for. Uh, unfortunately, Orton is notorious for me to say I'm tired of him going against you know uh, person B. You know, um, earlier uh, early in the year was Jinder Mahal. Um, you know, and, and um, now it's it's Rusev. You know, so the high point, of course, was uh, AJ winning the championship. AJ versus Brock Lesnar to me is just so much better on paper, so much better. Makes makes Survivor Series so much more intriguing. Uh, speaking of Survivor Series, good job, Stephen. The correct answer is Randy Orton. So good good job on that. Next question is, what was the main event for Survivor Series ni- uh, 2011? So as you all think about that, we're going to get to the flavor of the week, and we'll be right back. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, so let's get uh, let's get to our top five. Well, I'll let you go first, Chris. With uh, so so your Mega Survivor Series team. Everybody who uh, the, the options. Or anyone who competed uh, between 1987 and 1990. So out of those four years of Survivor Series, who is your mega team of five? I got to be honest, this was hard than I thought it would be. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. Do you want 
the team I would have picked when I was actually watching during those years or the team I would pick now having known more about wrestling and appreciating different wrestlers for different things. Uh, we got about six minutes. You can you can choose both. All right. So had I been picking actually back then, it would have been Savage, Hogan, Warrior, and the Legion of Doom. Hmm. Good choice. But looking choice. looking back now, it would have been Savage, the Rockers, and the Heart Foundation. Hmm. So why the smaller squad? Well, as I've gotten older. I've I've grown more fond of tag team wrestling, and those are my two favorite tag teams of all time. So putting them together with Savage just makes sense. I mean, Savage yeah. is just—he's going to be on both teams. You know, there's no getting rid of him. But it came down to like you know the powerhouse players of the time versus the guys I look back and actually think were the best wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, it's, it's a good, good point. All right, so number five on my list. It's no, it's 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 no rhyme or reason, no random order, no five to one. Number five on my list uh, goes to the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, um, just one of the biggest names between '87 and '90. Um, just the man <laughs> when it came to just late '80s uh, wrestling, uh, as far as WWE is concerned. So he'll he'll be uh, he's he's one of the people there. Um, the the second person on the team uh, is the ultimate warrior. Um, just that type of uh, powerhouse feel, uh, super hyped feel with the ultimate warrior. Uh, definitely um, a pick. Number three is Andre the Giant. I mean he. Uh, was the he was the winner? He, he pinned Bam Bam Bigelow in 1987 uh, to win the first Survivor Series. Uh, so why not have the eighth wonder of the world uh, on the on the Survivor Series team? Plus, you know he's seven foot four. What was he built? He was built what seven four five twenty five for most of his career. I think that was his. That sounds uh, his about building. right. Yeah, seven four five twenty five. You know, who would not want a seven foot four, five hundred and twenty five pound monster uh, on their Survivor Series team? And uh, my fourth pick is The Undertaker. Uh, debuted in nineteen ninety. Um, uh, he was not a part of. Uh, he, he was eliminated, unfortunately, on his debut match. Um, but I mean, he didn't get ten. I think it was what I think it was. Uh, Count out was it that uh, he got eliminated or DQ? Uh, I don't remember exactly what he. Got. I can't remember. It might have been disqualification. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but you know, it was interesting that uh, <laughs> he lost uh, his first match. Uh, well, he, he was he he particularly lost uh, his his first match. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's the Undertaker. Though. He's one of the greatest of all time. So I definitely want him on my squad. And of course, number five is the immortal Hulk Hogan. Just one of the biggest names in uh, Survivor Series history for the first five years of it. Uh, and Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan. I mean, there's really nothing you can say about that. So I would definitely, that would be my squad Hogan, Andre, Warrior, Savage, Taker. 
I uh, got a bunch of comments here. Um, thank you so much for all your wonderful, uh, as always, wonderful interaction here. Um, uh, Pedro said I don't have more battery uh, and I don't have electricity, but I enjoyed the progress. Podcast greetings from Puerto Rico. So definitely my prayers are with uh, you, Pedro, and uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, thank you so much for taking your time. Not having electricity, battery dying, and uh, spending the, the last uh, hour and a half, uh, you know, uh, just enjoying this podcast. So that means a lot to uh, to us. Chris, let everybody know where we can find you on social media. Uh, Br underscore doctor on Twitter and always on Bleacher Report. Sounds good. Uh, always doing some stuff on Bleach Report, so please follow his work. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, again, uh, as always, man. Fantastic, fun time. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. It was a good time. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This is episode 293. Thank you so much, Court Bauer, for being on the show tonight, talking some Survivor Series. And thank you so much for the Wrestling News Facebook fan page, Facebook Live. Thank you so much for the Crave Wrestling Facebook fan page on Facebook Live. And also, of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling. Join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. Uh, Pancakes and Power Slam shirts available. Uh, Message the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. Message the Crave Wrestling Facebook fan page for any type of uh, questions that you have. Um, and I'll be more than happy to answer them. For Chris Mueller, the doctor, uh, our, our featured uh, guest co-host for the night, I am Chris Featherstone, ladies and gentlemen. This is 293 episode of the Pancakes of Power Slam show. Hope you all had a great time. I sure did. Until next week, you all enjoy your week of wrestling, and God bless, and thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.